Slop Stories presents <coughs> Vexed by the Vet by Tim de Paula. Lacey's arms dripped blood on the grey pleather seat as she struggled to calm her ferocious tabby cat, Gimble. The vet's office was a cold and unforgiving place, and this check-up room was no different. The cat howled and continued to scratch at her as they waited for the veterinarian to return with the horrendous news of whether or not the cat would need surgery or if it would just have an extremely intensive and expensive treatment. Lacey looked toward the clock and gritted her teeth when she realised they'd kept her waiting over an hour for the results. The cat's nail dug into her chin and got stuck and the stinging pain was unbearable as Gimble began to convulse, both of them trying to get the paw unstuck from the chin. It finally tore through, and the cat broke free of her arms and dashed in between the wall and the medicine cabinet, just deep enough to be out of her reach. Lacey laid flat on the floor, reaching as hard as she could into the crevice, as Gimble hissed and swiped continually at her already carnaged hand. She grabbed a fistful of fur and yanked, causing the cat to make an ungodly moan as it dug its claws into her even deeper. Just as she began pulling the cat closer, the door opened and the stoic veterinarian walked in, clear glasses dangling at the tip of his nose. He looked down at the scene on the floor, blood droplets all over, and a woman face first on the ground, covered in deep gashes reaching behind his cabinet. Excuse me, ma'am. Please remain seated with your cat securely in your lap. Lacey's face jerked toward him in anger. Excuse me, animal doctor, but I didn't choose to wait an extra hour with my impatient cat. What is the news? She barked at him, another deep nail sinking into the back of her hand. As the veterinarian took a deep breath to begin his sentence, Gimble's attitude changed, and he began to growl. He no longer was scratching, but walked out of his own accord and sat beside Lacey, looking up directly into the vet's eyes. "'Ma'am, I'm afraid the news is quite serious. Gimble's health has declined to a state where he can no longer be helped. No surgery or at-home treatment is going to assist his failing well-being.' We could put him down for you today, or you can bring him home and let him pass naturally, which should be in the next seventy-two hours. Let me know how you'd like to proceed, the vet said, completely stoically, without a drop of empathy. Lacey stared wide-eyed at him, slowly processing the news. Tears started slowly welling up in her eyes. Gimble's deep growling slowly became violent hissing, and before Lacey could grab him, the cat flew towards the veterinarian, razor-sharp claws extended. There was no time to block. The cat dug both paws into the vet's cheeks and solidly stuck itself to him. 
the vet yelped and began bashing his clipboard into the back of the cat, causing Gimble to bite down onto the vet's nose. Lacey jumped up to try and help, but the scene was too horrific. The man's screams were agonising, and he threw the clipboard across the room and grabbed the cat by its bottom two legs and yanked downward. Gimble was tugged down, but his claws stayed firmly in the cheek meat and dragged down the man's face. The man kept tugging and tugging until finally the cat came free. The tearing sound was unbearable, and the vet's cheeks were completely completely ripped through. The four deep lines on both sides looked like racing stripes, his teeth visible through the gore. He put both of the cat's hind legs in his right hand and whipped the cat around in a windmill motion to bash its head against the counter. The thud and the crack that came from Gimble's head was enough to send Lacey into a state of pure rage. She came up behind the veterinarian and grabbed both of his ankles, pulling them back as hard as she could. The vet flew forward, unable to catch himself as he was still holding the cat, and his head slammed against the counter. He was lifeless on the floor when his assistant ran into the room with a parrot on her shoulder. "'What happened?' the assistant yelled. "'What happened?' the parrot mimicked. As Lacey looked up, wondering what she could possibly say about the entire occurrence, the parrot's eye had an evil glint appear, and it flew toward the back of the vet's head and began using its sharp talons to dig into the scalp. The assistant screamed, and the parrot screamed in a mocking copy and began using its beak to peck deeply into the scalp as well. As the assistant was distracted trying to calm the parrot, Lacey grabbed the lifeless body of Gimble and ran out of the room. She deleted her contact info from the unmanned computer, got in her car, and sped away. Lacey panted deeply as she gripped the steering wheel tight. She was wise enough to have a glass partition installed in the car, and as soon as the cat woke up, it began bashing into the barrier, desperately trying to scratch at Lacey's arms. "'Please, Gimble, settle down, baby!' she asked of him calmly. The cat responded by jumping back onto her seat and shredding the already shredded upholstery, hissing in the process. She had a tear drip down her cheek, looking in her rear-view mirror at her precious pet. "'What are we going to do about your diagnosis, baby?' The cat met her gaze in the mirror and yelled as its mouth filled with foam. After a painful trip from the car to the front of her house, Lacey struggled to unlock her door while cradling the biting cat in her arm. As soon as she entered the residence, the putrid smell of rancid litter-boxes rushed into her nostrils and singed a couple of millimetres off her eyelashes. This caused Gimble to instantly urinate all over her arm and shirt as it hissed and swiped at her, finally jumping down and running toward his favourite piss-couch. Later that night, Lacey searched all over the internet for an alternative way to heal her sweet gimbal. She found an ad for someone local that claimed to have an experimental treatment for feline and canine clients that could no longer be helped by modern medicine. She contacted the person in the ad, had gimbal approved for the testing, and headed out the door to pick up this saving grace for her cat. "'I'll be right back, gimbal. I found a way to keep you alive.' 
The cat's head twisted quickly towards her, and it hissed as it began bolting towards the open front door. Lacey slammed it just in time, and heard clawing on the wood from the other side. As she pulled up to the address from the advertisement, she realised it wasn't a building, but a utility shed beside a bridge. Lacey got out of the car, cautiously walked up to the shed, and knocked three times. The door swung open so fast that Lacey had to jump backwards out of the way, losing her balance and falling on her rear end in the process. This knocked the wind right out of her, and she gasped as she tried to grasp what had just happened. A three-foot-tall figure cloaked in black stuck its head out from the shed and looked at Lacey. "'The payment,' it said in a deep, pained voice. Lacey handed over three stacks of cash, ten thousand dollars each. A bruised and severely damaged hand jutted out from the cloak and pulled the money back inside instantaneously tossing a single white pill towards Lacey. "'Treatment for Gimbal. Give to-night. Long life,' the cloaked figure said before slamming the shed door shut. Lacey looked at the pill, seeing the number seven followed by the letters C, W, N, and D. She shook her head and headed back to the car. Four months had gone by, and Gimbel had lived long past the veterinarian's estimation of seventy-two hours. His behaviour hadn't changed, but his appearance had. His orange tabby fur was starting to dull a little, only visibly colourful in the sunlight, otherwise it looked to be grey. His teeth had either fallen out or severely yellowed. Even when cleaned, Gimbel reeked in a way Lacey had never smelled before, a sour milk, rotten meat, cat dump mixture that had caused guests to pass out as soon as they entered the home. He had also shed his tail and hind legs, leaving only deep wounds that Lacey had bandaged. After a few weeks of gimbal dragging himself along the floor, she purchased a mechanical grey arm and installed it in the centre of the house, assuring it would reach any room gimbal desired. The nodes at the end of the arm were attached to the cat's spinal column, and Gimbel could control where the arm took him via his brain signals. It was a haunting image, seeing the cat floating through the room on the long metallic appendage. He could now scratch her face without having to jump, but slowly his anger began to wear off as his intense hunger began. No longer utilising his legs, Gimbel got no exercise whatsoever, and turned to food for pleasure. He would whine for hours until Lacey would finally just open every can of cat food she had in the house, and pour a gallon of cream into his dish. The cat gorged like this every hour, and after a few more months weighed in over two hundred and fifty pounds, unheard of for a house-cat. The extra weight had deepened Gimbel's voice, the growls, whines, and moaning almost human-like. Now that he was so heavy, the mechanical arms struggled to move him from room to room, the gears grinding and keeping Lacey up all hours of the night. When he did swipe at her, it would take out chunks of her flesh and knock her to the floor. Lacey still loved her baby Gimbel. 
but it was quite hard that she couldn't get any rest, so she began sleeping in her car. The litter-boxes were a different story, something that even with multiple hired hands Lacey could not clean. The windows of her house had begun to melt and turn brown due to the unbearable, ungodly stench that came from those boxes. They looked like bubbling brown tar-pits, the wetness so hot and putrid that one of the people Lacey hired to help her try and clean them passed out and fell in, never to be seen again. A few more months passed, and Gimble was unrecognisable as a cat. All of his fur had fallen out, his ears had sunk into the fatness of his head, and his eyes had become pure white. He had gained so much weight that the mechanical arm could barely move him around the house, and dragged his lower torso against the ground, causing a horrible rash on the peach-coloured skin. He did nothing but scream and hiss, and could no longer lift his arms to scratch Lacey. She sat on the couch, shell-shocked by what her life had become, deathly sick from the toxic air in her filthy house. A knock came at the door, and Gimble hissed loudly through a wheeze as he made the mechanical arm push him towards the door as quickly as possible. Lacey got up first, walking with a limp, to try and beat Gimble before he could block her from answering. They raced, and Lacey won. When she opened the door, a fireman in full regalia stood on her porch. The fumes that flew past her blew him back fifteen feet, sending him spiralling over her lawn. Another fireman, this one was wearing a gas mask, leapt at Lacey and pulled her out of the house. Two more ran towards the house, closing the door and slapping a condemned sign on it. "'Ma'am, it isn't safe for you to be here. Your house is causing your neighbours to come down with serious illnesses. Frankly, we are surprised you even answered the door. We will get you to a shelter tonight. But for now we need to take care of your poisonous home,' the fireman said sternly. Four more firemen marched up to the house, each holding lit flamethrowers. They began dousing the house in liquid fire, and with the mixture of the toxic air, it lit up like a matchbox. A slow thud began pounding from the front door, but it was indecipherable over the crackling wood. "'My, my baby, my gim, please, I—' Lacey began, but passed out, too exhausted and sick to continue. The firemen finished their torching, and the house was nothing but a black, flat square of ash. They loaded Lacey into their truck and drove away. Later that day a blackened spinal column slithered out of the ash and squirmed itself into a hole in the lawn, not to be seen again for over a thousand years. Thank you for listening. I've been your reality-shifting narrator, Simon Hensby. Dear friends and listeners, perhaps you'd be so kind to cleanse and condition us with handclaps most defined. Tell us, I pray, what you do enjoy about this nasty show which keep me doth employ. Well, listen at the Reddit. Slop Stories is the name. And hope these episodes don't light your mind aflame.
And for us to speak with you, the answer comes real quick. Just follow us on Instagram before you make me sick. And now for today's memoir of misery. No. Jerome's boss scolded him harshly when he inspected his lunch order and found the entire thing to be incorrect. Look, kid, I didn't even order a sandwich. I ordered a wrap. The protein is all wrong. My toppings aren't right. Seriously, kid, you are in trouble. I don't see your future at this company being too bright. Now, why don't you go try again, and this time bring what I ordered? The boss said angrily, spittle splashing from his mouth. Jerome just looked at him, defeated and pissed. He pulled out the yellow post-it note that the boss's order was written on, and it was exactly what Jerome had brought. The boss looked at it for a few seconds before saying, Nah, I didn't want that. I wanted the rap. You're fired. Get out. I'm firing your uncle, who works in IT, too. <laughs>